Hello, welcome to Raw Stories, the fortnightly podcast where I share new fiction, whether it's ready or not. My name is Caroline Hardman, and this week's story is A Perfect Fit. Once upon a time, in a slightly shabby Manhattan brownstone, there lived a shoemaker called Frederick. Frederick came from a long line of shoemakers. He had learned his craft from his grandfather, who had learnt from his own grandfather, who had learnt from the grandfather before that. Frederick's ancestors had dressed the feet of kings and courtiers, farmers, professors and poets, feet which had marched into battles, broken new ground and taken countless paths less trodden. Great feats need comfortable feet, Frederick's father used to say. But this was 21st century New York, and most shoes were being made in third world countries with cheap labour and little care. So instead of making shoes for a living, Frederick had to settle for mending them, and spent his days gluing soles, stitching leather, and re-threading frayed shoelaces. He was content enough, but if anyone had asked, he would have been forced to admit that life hadn't exactly worked out the way he'd planned. But of course no one did ask. The commuters who passed his booth every morning were too preoccupied with their jobs and their coffee and their broken Manolos to wonder if there was somewhere Frederick would rather be. This particular morning, Frederick was somewhere else. His friend Sam was seeing a girl who studied fashion at a small college in the Bronx. They sometimes threw away spare material, she had told him, and might have some leftover fabric or leather he could use. So he'd found someone to cover the morning rush hour and was riding the D-line train for nine extra stops to find out. He left the subway and, following a map the girl had scribbled for him on the back of a beer mat, he made one right turn and then another, counted the roads to find the fourth on the left and eventually found the fashion college. As he crossed the road to its entrance, he hoped this wouldn't be a wasted visit. The girl had seemed a bit scatty, and although she'd promised to arrange for a box of material to be left for him, he wasn't entirely convinced she'd have remembered. He walked up the steps, pushed open the glass doors, and entered the foyer. Then his feet came to a sudden stop, and his heart swiftly followed suit. For there, sitting behind the mahogany reception desk, was the most breathtaking girl he had ever seen. It wasn't so much that she was pretty although she was certainly pretty, rather that one look was enough to tell him that Katrina, the girl behind the desk, was the kind of person who made life infinitely better, simply by being in it. And Katrina was, as anyone at the college could have told him, exactly that kind of person. She'd worked on reception for nine years, and each day, as she tapped at her keyboard, she also dispensed advice, tissues, kindness, and changed with a photocopier in more or less equal measures. Today was no exception. Frederick leaned against a marble pillar and watched Katrina as she dealt with a tear-stained, red-headed girl standing to one side of the counter. It looked like she was explaining something, and although he couldn't quite hear her words, he could feel the comfort in them right across the room. The girl seemed to feel it too. She nodded earnestly as Katrina spoke and left wearing a watery smile. After sending the young girl on her way, Katrina looked up at Frederick, and he approached the desk. Can I help you? she asked, and her smile warmed the very tips of his toes. Katrina knew who Frederick was. 
Ginny Cooper, one of the third-year students, had mentioned the serious young man she'd spoken to at her boyfriend's birthday drinks, and Katrina had been expecting him all week. Some sort of fashion designer, Ginny had said. She'd forgotten to mention quite how handsome he was. Frederick made his request, and was relieved when Katrina nodded straight away. It's the box just up there, she said, pointing to a high shelf behind her, and the ladder's behind you. As Frederick fetched the ladder and began to climb, Katrina adjusted her long skirt. He was somewhere around the seventh rung when she called up to him. I meant to ask, what do you need all this for? Shoes. That single word floated down from above and landed heavily on Katrina's heart. It took Frederick a few moments to navigate the steps of the ladder, and by the time he descended and briefly rested the box on the counter to say goodbye, there was barely a trace left of the shadow which had crossed Katrina's face moments earlier. She called out to the student who was nearest, Fiona, could you get the door, please? Frederick crossed the foyer, smiled his thanks at the blonde girl who was scuttled over to hold the door open for him, and then stopped. Would you mind waiting for just a moment, he asked her. Then he turned round, walked back to the desk, and swallowed. It had been a long time since he had last done this. I wondered if... Do you... Would you like to have dinner with me? Katrina looked up and couldn't help but smile. She'd never had a conversation with a box on legs before, but it's only 9.30 in the morning. Oh, yes, I suppose it is, came the voice from behind the box, dejectedly. Katrina felt a surge of warmth for the small, dark-haired man with the smiley eyes she could no longer see. I finish late on Thursdays, she added, hopefully. Maybe then, around about seven. And for the rest of the day, she did her best not to think about the shoes. Two nights later, at seven o'clock on the button, Frederick arrived at the college. A crowd of students, who had all seemed to have found a reason to be there at that particular moment, had gathered in the foyer, and as he'd stepped through the glass doors, he waved past them at Katrina. She motioned for him to stay where he was, then turned off her desk lamp and joined him, ignoring the chorus of whispers and smiles. Together they walked to a small Italian restaurant around the corner, where, under the flickering light of a single red candle, and in spite of several interruptions from a new and slightly over-enthusiastic waiter, Frederick and Katrina fell in love. Sometimes, just sometimes, it really is that simple. Their Thursday night dinners became a regular fixture, and before long they began to spend time together on the weekends as well. They shopped at the farmer's market in Union Square, ate picnics in Central Park, and wandered through the village for hours on end. Two people had never been happier in each other's company, no matter what they were doing. Frederick seemed happy not to rush things, which suited Katrina, and as their relationship slowly blossomed under the watchful eyes of the college students, she realised that things between them were almost perfect. Frederick was polite and courteous and kind, and she knew he cared about her very much. She would have been blissfully happy if it hadn't been for one small thing. Well, two small things. Or, to be precise, two things which weren't very small at all. Katrina, you see, had ridiculously enormous feet. She'd been born that way, much to the surprise of her parents, who were both quite normally proportioned, and as she'd grown up, her feet had grown as well, getting longer and wider every year. 
Ever since her eighth birthday, when her parents had presented her with a pair of men's size 16 sneakers wrapped in a pink bow, she'd walked past shoe shops as quickly as possible, without even a glance in the windows. It was simply too heartbreaking. She tried to console herself with the thought that at least she never got blisters or suffered the aches and pains her friends moaned about after a night in heels. But secretly, she thought a bunion or two would be a small price to pay for the chance to wear something different on her feet. Most of the time, she kept her sneakers hidden under long skirts and dresses, like the one she'd been wearing the day she met Frederick. He still hadn't seen her feet, and the longer she left telling him, the harder they became to mention. Finally, one Sunday afternoon just before Christmas, the inevitable happened. Frederick did what men who were young and in love and in New York in December tend to do, and tried to take Katrina ice-skating. This could be difficult, Katrina mumbled when they first arrived at Rockefeller Plaza. It was all she'd been planning to say at first, but he looked so disappointed that before she realised, she was telling him everything. She explained about her feet, and described how hurt she'd been as a child by the laughs and stares of her classmates, and the way they called her names like Flipper and Yeti. She told him how much she hated the ugly sneakers she was forced to wear, and tears came to her eyes when she explained how upsetting it would be, even now, to look in the windows of shoe shops, where there were so many lovely things she knew she could never wear. The words kept spilling out, and when they finally ran dry, she hid her face in Frederick's chest, afraid she had said too much. His was such a wonderful, familiar smell by now, a peculiar mix of leather and glue and shoe polish and she breathed in deeply, hearing her own heart pounding as she waited for his reaction. Eventually it came. They can't be that bad. Will you show me? Katrina lifted her skirt and turned away, scared of what she might see in Frederick's face. But the silence which came was far worse than any expression of disgust or pity that she could have imagined, and finally she had to look at him. She was surprised when she did to find that even though several minutes had passed, he was still examining her feet. When he finally surfaced, she searched his face desperately, but saw nothing. His eyes, which normally twinkled so kindly, were flat and dull. It was as if someone had pulled the shutters down. Eventually he spoke. There's something I think you should see. Will you come with me? He hailed a cab, and they travelled in silence, all the way across town. When they reached his apartment and went inside, Frederick opened a door in the corner of the living room and stood back. Katrina stared. The door led to a room, and the room was full of shoes. More shoes than she had ever seen. Slingbacks, clogs, court shoes and sandals battled for space with Mary Jane's and moccasins, while one wall was a rainbow of wedge sandals, a pair in every colour. Pale blue ballet flats peeked out from behind battered leather biker boots. Spiky stilettos towered over kitten heels, and evening shoes trimmed with sequins twinkled in every corner. Buckles sparkled, beads glittered, and the soft leather and suede cried out to be touched. For a brief, wonderful moment, and for the first time in her life, Katrina forgot all about her own feet. But then she remembered. She looked at the shoes, then down at her own ugly sneakers, and finally at Frederick, hardly recognising him. 
hadn't she just opened her heart to him and explained just how much it would hurt to see exactly this? A treasure trove of jewels he knew she could never have. Ignoring his cries, she ran out of the apartment, down the communal stairs and out of the main door to the building. It had been raining and as her sneakers pounded the street, splashes from the puddles mixed with the tears running down her face until it was impossible to tell them apart. All she could see through the blur were the shoes she was passing. Goloshes on sensible feet, brogues and sandals which would be ruined on others. She finally stopped, taking shelter in a doorway. Moments later, Frederick arrived, soaking wet, out of breath, and with the greys on one knee where he'd slipped in a puddle. Moments later, Frederick arrived, soaking wet, out of breath, and with the greys on one knee where he'd slipped in a puddle. The Italian loafers he was wearing had been no match for her sneakers. She couldn't look at him and flinched as he touched her shoulder. But one hand, gentle and firm, remained there while with the other he handed her something. Try it on. She looked down at what he'd given her. It was a shoe. A beautiful blue evening shoe covered in shimmering raw silk. With its sweeping curves, delicate straps and a simple, elegant heel, it was exactly the kind of shoe she'd spent her entire life trying not to care about. Just try it, please. Katrina stared at Frederick wordlessly. Reaching down, she undid the soggy laces of one of her sneakers, now grey with sludge from the streets, and pushed it off with the toes of her other foot. Next, she pulled the wet sock off and rolled it into a ball, which she shoved into her pocket. Finding a dry spot of pavement, she put the blue shoe down and then slowly slid her foot inside. She gasped and turned to Frederick, who was wearing a relieved smile. Now the other one, he said, and produced it from inside his coat. She snatched the second shoe from him, worried that she, Frederick, the shoes, even the stoop they were sitting on could vanish at any moment. It was only after she'd slipped the second shoe on that she trusted herself to speak. They fit. I thought they would, he said, giving her his arm. Wobbling slightly in the unfamiliar heels, she stood up and stared at Frederick. He kissed her softly, wishing he could answer all of her questions with that kiss alone. Then he took a deep breath. I think it's time I told you about my wife. Five years earlier, he explained, he had married a woman called Marie. She was a ballet dancer, and in the evenings after he finished working at the shoe repair booth, Frederick would make shoes for her to wear when she performed. Two months after they were married, the car she and three other dancers were travelling in veered off a slippery road on their way home from a performance. For a long time, I missed her terribly. Frederick spoke slowly, his voice full of emotion. But it was years ago now. She would have... I think she'd be very glad to know I've met you. He put an arm around her and they held each other for a long time. Finally, Katrina spoke. But the shoes, she said, 
looking down at what she still couldn't quite believe were her own feet. Surely these aren't the ones you made for her? I can't explain either, he said, but after Marie died, on the day of her funeral, I came back to my apartment and started making shoes. I wasn't thinking or measuring or planning, just making them. It was all I knew how to do. I didn't know why or who I was making them for, but that didn't matter. Now, he stopped and shook his head and she waited. Now I think, he shook his head again, this must sound crazy. But perhaps, well, now I think I do know. Katrina looked at him, her eyes shining. And then, under a pale streetlight, wearing a pair of perfect shoes, she kissed him. As she did, a single star high in the sky above them twinkled a little more brightly than usual and danced a happy pirouette. So that was a perfect fit. It's quite an old story, that one. I wrote it for a little writing group I was part of for a while. When I first started writing fiction, I had taken a writing class and a few of us, when the class finished, kept in touch and got together once a month to set each other writing tasks and then share the results. When it was my turn to set the task, I decided we should all retell or write, at least write a story inspired by a fairy tale, largely because I at the time, and this is true still today, uh, many years on, I find plot really, really hard. And so I figured that if we were going to retell a fairy tale, I could just steal the plot and wouldn't have to worry about that and I could focus on everything else. So the starting point for this story was, as you may have spotted, Cinderella. I obviously strayed quite a long way from the original plot but um, it was just nice to have that bit of a safety net there. Playing with fairy tales uh, and more recently folklore is something I really enjoy doing and they're elements I use quite a lot as you will find out if you keep on listening. Thank you for listening. Uh, if you want to get in touch, I would love to hear from you. You can do that by email on rawstoriespodcast at gmail.com or I'm on Twitter at rawstoriespod. I'll see you again in exactly two weeks' time for another raw story. Mm-hmm.